for you that came in. Um, you missed worship uh, this morning. It was, it was, <laughs> it was brief. Uh, we'll come back to it. Uh, we're going to uh, spend a little bit more time in worship heavy on the, the last half. And um, as we partake in communion in a little bit different way, but um, as we get started, why don't we just ask the Lord's um, voice to be super clear and um, loud uh, to us this morning. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Jesus, we recognize that there are times where we feel lost. There are times that we are lost. And those times that we feel lost, that maybe we're, maybe we're at a spot where we're not actually lost, but we feel that way. God, this morning... No matter, no matter where we're at, help us to know that you find us. You know exactly where we're at. Even this morning, you know exactly where each person in this room is, not just physically, but where they're at spiritually. The struggles they face, the mountains they're trying to climb, the feeling of loss or insecurities that they feel, you, you know that. And and you not only love us, but you're seeking to bring us healing and help us get back home. So God, this morning we just ask that in the name of Jesus that you would speak through your word this morning and the story that you told as we just read in Luke 15 that <laughs> this story has deep and powerful implications. So this morning give us a clear picture of what you want us to hear and know and take action and feel and find ourselves home in. And I just pray this in the name, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, welcome to part four of the Storyteller series. Uh, I want to start by telling you a story that happened um, this week at the grocery store, actually quite crazy. The um, <laughs> so um, at the grocery store, and um, I told a, uh, told some of you the story. I was at the grocery store and uh, just had to grab a few things. It takes me a little bit longer uh, than it would take uh, other people, but because I'm not in there a ton, I'm not grabbing a lot of things. But I'm grabbing a few things, and I head up to uh, the counter, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I get in line behind this lady, and uh, this lady, I don't know, she's probably in her late 50s or something, and, and she, you, know, you know how it is like when you recognize someone, and, and, and like you, you don't like really know them, but you, you, you're like, I know them, you know what I'm talking about, like you don't know them to say hi or know their name, but you're like, I know this person, and it was one of those ladies, like I recognized her, and I was like, man, does she go to conduit, or is she... Like she, how do we know this lady? Is she one of my wife's uh, hair clients, or what's the deal? And then she looks right at me, and and she says, "Hi, how are you?" And I was like, "I'm good. I'm good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, lady." Uh, <laughs> and she's she's checking out. Um, she's she's doing her thing, and she's starts this conversation with me, and how well she knows me. She doesn't give any details. She just talks about how great it is to see me again, and, and, and like how she just got goosebumps just seeing my face again, and, and um, I was, at that point, I was super creeped out, this old, older, older lady uh, just saying these things, um, act like she knows me, and so she pays for all of her, her she had a full cart, um, and we're carrying a conversation, and she goes on to tell me that she goes, you, you, actually, you actually look a lot, um, you look a lot like my nephew who passed away. And, um, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, he must have been a good-looking guy and uh, really know how to grow a beard and uh, just an uh, upstanding gentleman, right? And she's like, yes, he was. He looked exactly like you. You know, you actually, your, your voice sounds a lot like his as well. And, and at this point, I'm getting a little freaked out, right? And she, uh, she, <laughs> she goes on to, like, just be really... Uh, emotionally attached to this conversation, she even gets a little, she gets a little emotional, and she's like, well, can you just tell me one more time, like, um, 
can you just say, can you just say, um, I love you, good to see you, bye, just one more time? She needed that, I guess. And I'm, I'm, I'm all in, you know, sure, whatever, whatever floats your boat, like, if that makes you feel better. I mean, I was, like, waiting for her to want to take a picture or something to, to remember this moment, but it was super creepy, and it was somewhat brief. Um, but sure enough, she, she uh, at the checkout counter, and um, she says, her cart away, and she looks back at me, and sure enough, I said, I love you. It's so good to see you again. And she walked away. Right? Nice story, right? Um, and, and I was like, that is the strangest thing. And I'm kind of like, it's one of those checkout counter ladies on the, 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 that was working there. Um, that she really, she knew, like, she, she, like, her face was just down. Like, she wasn't making eye contact with what this whole conversation. She's like, this is strange. This is weird. Whatever. And she wasn't making any contact, any eye contact. So I put my few items up on um, the counter, and I'm kind of like waiting for eye contact with this check, the lady at the checkout counter to kind of explain or to be like, yo, that was so weird. Like, what's up with that? And um, she checked my few items out, didn't make any eye contact. And then she says, um, that will be $147.37. What? What are you talking about? Well, I just have a few items. She says, oh, um, that, that lady said that um, that was your mom and that you were paying for her stuff. And so, right, Christine, right? It's, <laughs> yes, I know. And so I go, I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, you're kidding me. I just, I just have a few items. She said I was going to, yeah, she said that you were going to pay for her stuff. And you, you said I love you. I figured that that was, like, legit. And so I'm like, oh, it's on now. Mr. Nice Guy is gone, and Mr. Nice Guy is running out of the supermarket after this lady. Like, I ain't got time for this. And so I run out there, and I see her. She's loaded all the groceries in, and I could, I could tell. She, she kind of makes eye contact, eye contact with me, and she kind of goes around the, the corner of her car, and she gets in her car. And at this point, I'm, like, on it. I'm, like, at her car, and I'm, like, pounding on the window. I'm, like, ma'am, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she's ignoring me. Now she's not, like, first she's like, this, like, this is a total scam. This is totally crazy. And so I'm knocking on her window. And so I'm like, I've had enough. I open her door. I'm like, you are not going anywhere, ma'am. Like, you cannot do this, right? And she's, like, just kind of ignoring me. She knows, obviously, I'm, I have the door open. She can't go anywhere unless she wants to run me over, which wouldn't surprise me. But then she starts the car. She starts the car, and she begins to put it in reverse. And I'm standing there with the door open. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing. I'm going to be on the news. This is the, this is the craziest thing. And so I'm like, lady, you can't do this. You have to come back into the store. So their car starts to move. And I started, I started grabbing. I grabbed her leg. Now I know. Just, I know. Because like, like she can leave with her car, but she ain't leaving without her leg. And I started pulling on her leg. I started pulling her leg. Like I'm pulling your leg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let some of y'all catch up. I'll let some of y'all catch up. I love this story. The first time I heard this, my wife got me on this story. Um, I love telling stories, especially ones that aren't true. Uh, those are fun. <laughs> I love telling stories because a story has a way of just drawing you in. Jesus was the greatest storyteller ever. Anyways, that any, any, at any point that he told a story, he told it in a way that always surprised not only us in 2018, American Christians reading this pretty Bible right in front of us, God's inspired word, it, but, but especially how it surprised the audience at the time is what has fascinated me recently. Especially 
here in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables to the same crowd, seemingly simultaneously, one after another, about three things that were lost. At the beginning of chapter, uh, beginning of Luke chapter 15, you see him tell a story about the lost sheep. And then in the middle of uh, Luke chapter 15, he begins to tell a story about the lost coin. And here in the, the, the final part of Luke chapter 15, he tells a story about a lost son, the prodigal son. You've heard this story. It's the basis of every movie. It's the basis of every part of any good story. It's about this, this idea of this person that gets lost or this tragedy happens and they get separated or something is complete lost. And then the whole best part of the story is this redemptive moment of the journey back or the journey home or the journey there. Almost every great Disney movie has to do with this part and this type of redemption. Jesus invents the greatest way to tell a story by telling the prodigal son. It's the story, as you just read through it, um, it's a story about a, a man, a father, who had two sons, and the younger son said to him, uh, Father, uh, give me half of the inheritance that you're going to give me once you die. I want it now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. And so his father gave him half, and he went to a distant country, it says, and then he spent, he squandered that on uh, sinful living, wild living, on prostitutes, on anything that he or his flesh would ever desire, and he squandered it, and it was gone. And then there was a famine, and it quit raining, things quit growing, everyone's panicking, no one's got any money or anything, and so he got a J-O-B. He joined himself up with another, with a farmer in that distant land, because he knew farming, because he grew up at his father's farm. And when he was in that farm, he got so hungry, even though he had a job, he got so hungry because he had no food, and he began one day to get on his knees, and he just was about to eat what the pigs were about to eat. And down in the dumps, down in his rock-bottom moment, at that second, he had what we call an aha moment. You know how the story goes. I told this whole thing last week. I just took like 40 minutes to tell it, but I'll tell it to you in a couple minutes today. So essentially, he has this aha moment. And he gets up, and he realizes that even my father's servants have enough food. And here I am, a son in a distant country, and I am going to eat the pig's food. And he says, I will go, and I will apologize to my dad, and I will tell him, I don't even need to be your son anymore. I just, I'll be one of your hired servants. I'd be good with that because I just want the food. You see, these stories have a way of drawing us in. This story is incredible. And as Jesus is telling this story, he's not just telling about the boys. Even though the father only says a few things in this passage, the story um, is about the father. It's about the character of the father. It's about the son's identity in the father. Stories have a way of, even though they don't spell out the point, the best stories, we arrive at the point, we arrive at the conclusion before they even tell it. And Jesus does this with the storyteller. And just as I did at the beginning with the crazy lady at the grocery store, deception ultimately drew you into that story craziness drew you into that story. In this story, something else drew us in and ultimately drew these brothers in to the story. So you say, what, what drew the brothers in? What, what was the thing that they were after? What was the thing that they were running after, going after? It wasn't the father. It was the father's stuff. It was the father's stuff. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? I just want to take a moment. And when we find ourselves in this, this moment of a fork in the road, a rock, bom rock bottom moment, a, a moment where we question everything, 
I, I just simply want to, I want to show you something. I want to show you this quick video um, of someone else who had a fork in the road moment of questioning everything, a rock bottom moment, trying to find his way home. That Disney can preach, right? Ah, oh, I love it. Oh, it's so good. This is the picture. This is, this is like in a nutshell that turns every story around. This is, this is the identity that we live in as in our human experience. Man, woman, adult, or child. No matter where you're from, no matter what kind of political perspective or or opinion about this, that, or the other you have. Every single human experience, at the root of it, th there's this moment that changes it all. Our true identity, the, the very thing that brings us home, in this story at least, the thing that brought him home was the father. The father. Now, this this story is incredible. And Jesus, again, being the greatest storyteller, and I think this is one of the greatest stories that Jesus ever actually told was the story of the prodigal son. But the, the story of the prodigal son is this, there's this weird thing as you just read it, maybe for the first time, maybe you're reading the story like, wait, 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 I get this part. Boys lost, squandered all he had, full of sinful life, just like completely rock bottom moment. He's so sorry. And he comes to the father and the father's filled with compassion. And he pursues his son and he receives his son what he had done, and he honors his son, and, and he throws this party for his son. And he, you'd think that that is the happily ever after. Jesus is telling the story. Now, it's important for me to note right now, this is, if you, if you just, you got to get this. Jesus is telling the story just as if I'm telling you a story right now. And conduit, you are the audience. Who is the audience of the story that Jesus is telling? Ultimately, God's word is for all of us and ultimately. But what happened in this actual account of Jesus telling a story? Who are the people sitting there? you got to go back to verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. Oh, yes! The tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. Now these tax collectors... And sinners, they had a lot in common, right? Um, but also, look at verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. So wait, 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 wait. The Pharisees and the scribes were there too. The Pharisees and the scribes. The, you mean like the religious leaders. 
were there with the sinners. So there's people in the crowd that are like, like good and bad. People that are seemingly lost and people that are seemingly found. So there's a mixed, mixed crowd. One of, one of the hardest things to do as a pastor, um, I know Pastor Cameron and I have talked about this many times, is when you stand up here and you're giving a message, even though you've got plenty of time to do so, it's very difficult because you've got people in the room who have been following Jesus for their whole life. Who, who, are, who are walking the way that they maybe should walk and they mess up and then they fix it and they repent and they confess and the Lord forgives them and they fellowship restored and they walking with Jesus again like there's this process of them just being faithful followers of Jesus but then there's people in the room that literally maybe aren't at that spot they don't know really what church is about or who Jesus is or or, or they of course they want forgiveness and they they want to seek Jesus but they're not sure how to get there so they're at this spot of like I'm lost and so there's this seemingly mixed crowd even even here even here sometimes. Um, and yet the storyteller has this opportunity, also has this challenge to help bring truth and captivate both sides. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Teachers, raise your hand if you're a teacher. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> like you got kids in the room that totally get it. And then you got kids in the room that totally don't get it. And then you got kids that are somewhere in between, right? And it's not your job to point out who gets it and who doesn't. Your job is to communicate what you're teaching. So Jesus is teaching the scribes, the Pharisees, and the sinners, and the tax collectors. There's everybody is in the room. Listen, listen. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. And yeah, I love the story. I love it. Jesus is telling the story, and he's not just saying, he's not just talking about this kid, this punk kid that went and squandered everything he had. He totally screwed it up. And the compassionate father, who's representing God the Father, receives him with compassion and, and gives him a robe representing righteousness, and he gives him a ring representing sonship, and he gives him Shoes for his feet, representing the cleanliness of cleaning all the muck that the son, the prodigal son, on himself. And he throws a party because it's about celebrating this redemption moment, right? We all get that. But the story doesn't stop there. Listen, he goes on. And remember how Jesus started the story? There was a man, there was a father who had... Two sons. And you're so wrapped up in Simba that we forget about the other brother. But Jesus actually uses the climax, the last part of the story, to tell what can leave us all confused and with the greatest cliffhanger that could ever be told. Let's pick it up. Verse 15. Luke chapter 15 um, in verse, I'm sorry, 25. Luke 15, verse 25 says, Now his older son was in the field. There's a party going on. Remember, the, the younger son has come home. They've killed the fattened calf. The, the prodigal son is home. He's safe. He was lost. And now he's found. He was dead. And now he's alive. And now here we are. Party's going on. And the older son, who never left, who kept the rules, comes back to the house and when he drew near to the house, he heard music. And he heard dancing. He's like, yeah, party. And he called one of the servants and he asked what this meant. What's going on? And the servant said, your brother, he's home. Your father has killed the fattened calf. And because he has received him back safe and sound. Whew. Big brother wasn't so happy. Was he? He was angry, it says. In fact, he says he refused to go into the party. Have you been there? Have you ever been in a spot where you see someone even, like, succeed or be celebrated and there's this fleshly, jealous emotion that rises up in you 
They don't deserve that. They didn't work for that. I've worked for that. I've worked hard for this. I've worked hard for the stuff, my dad's stuff. He didn't work. In fact, when he had dad's stuff, all he did was squander it. And now somehow he squanders it and he gets it back and he's throwing it, he's being thrown a party. What is this about? Why is this a thing? So he's pouting on the side of the hill. I imagine he's hearing all the party and all the music and all the dancing. And it's like he can even see from a distance like his younger brother being elevated and he's wearing a robe and he's got new shoes on and everyone's just so happy to see him and his big brother is pouting on the side of the hill and the father, man, the father is good. This is the point of the story. The father and his goodness, he recognizes that there's more people in the room than just one side. He talks to both sides of the aisle, FYI. He talks to all of us. He's speaking and wooing and pursuing all of us. And in this moment, the father pursued the older brother. And he went out to the hill and he sat down. It says that he entreated him. As a parent, you get this. It's, what's wrong, buddy? What's going on? How you doing? It's this compassionate moment that was no different than the prodigal son. Just a little less dramatic. But he received his older son, and he said, what's wrong? And as you know the story, as you just read earlier, the, the older brother is angry. He's, he's mad. He's pouting. He's at the spot like, I've always done what you've asked. I never left. I never squandered what you had. I work out here every day. And you never threw a party for me. In fact, you didn't even give me a goat that I could eat with my friends to celebrate. You never even gave me that. And the father's response is not defensive. The father's response is not out of insecurity. The father is secure in himself and his goodness and all that he has. But you know what? This isn't about the stuff. And you know it and I know it. But this story is about the stuff. The father's stuff. But the father, even in his goodness, he goes there. It's like, all right, you want to talk about my stuff, my possessions? Let's go there. Because think about it from this, from this angle. The, the father had two sons. The prodigal son said, Dad, uh, give me all of your inheritance, which is half of what you own. I want it right now. Um, it's my money, and I want it now. Um, and he goes and he spends it um, in a distant country, and he squanders it. So all that money has gone. So all the other half. All that the father now owns is really whose? It's the older son. This money's gone. This half's gone. So then this brother comes back. How does the father... (laughs) He's using his older brother's money to throw the party. In reality, it's the older brother's fattened calf. In reality, it's the older brother's robe. And he's using that. Like, If you're in this room and you're angry right now, I completely understand. In fact, I think we all understand because that's not, in reality, that's the older brother's money. The older brother's stuff. The father, again, he brings into the reality that, that your brother was lost and now he's found and he was dead and now he's alive. And then Jesus walks off the stage. That's it. That's it. It's the most awkward ending. You guys ever watched a movie um, where you didn't feel like it ended the way you wanted it to end? Like, it's not like that. No, we didn't go back and do that. She didn't sit. He didn't. ah, Hold on a second. All of a sudden, and you feel it coming. Like, the music has started, and all of a sudden, start seeing the credit and this isn't like one of those Marvel movies where you got to wait 20 minutes and then they come back and they do stuff like when the credits start rolling it's done it's done and all of a sudden the credits are rolling Jesus is done telling the story where is the ending why did it end so awkward this is it guys the prodigal son story isn't just a why, why is it even called the prodigal son story it's the prodigal son's There are two lost brothers. 
Both who are alienated from the Father. Who are completely separated from the Father. And somehow, in the end, the guy that was bad is the one that gets back to the Father. And truly to the Father and all he is and all he has. But the one who was faithful and kept all the rules and was good somehow found himself not with the Father at the party. Welcome to religion, ladies and gentlemen. You see, in this story, Jesus ends that awkwardly. He ends it with a cliffhanger because he's talking in this part. He's talking to those Pharisees, those pastors, those priests, those church leaders, those Sunday school teachers, those that name the name of God in their everyday life. He's calling them out. And he's saying loud and clear, oh, you think your religion brings you to me? You're just as lost, if not more lost, than the prodigal younger brother. Both brothers were lost. Both brothers were lost. And Jesus, in this moment, he uses that as a conduit to show us that the only way home is through the Father. Both brothers were lost. In this moment, Jesus uses that as a conduit to show us that the only way home is through the Father. (laughs) I love this story. Both brothers were lost. Check this out. Both brothers were alienated from the Father. The younger brother, the older brother. The one that squandered everything, but the one also who was faithful and did everything right and kept all the rules. The one that was bad... And the one that was good, both were somehow alienated from the father because they wanted one thing. Both sons found their way to get the father's stuff. Both brothers found a way to get the father's stuff. Think about this for a second. Why are you a Christian? This is like a a really... Like, I'm saying this gently and calmly, but I I want to speak right to your heart on this one. Why are you a Christian? Are you, are you, do you follow God, the Father, for what he brings you? Even paradise, even heaven, even streets of gold, even no death, even no crying. Like, do you, do we, even like abundant life on this earth, Earth, even peace that passes all understanding, even grace, even forgiveness. Is it the Father's stuff that we want? Or is it the Father that we want? Um, one of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite things, um, John Piper says this. He talks about how, <laughs> he's like, imagine heaven. Streets of gold, no more death, no more crying, forever and ever and ever, you're there in heaven. But imagine all of those things, all your friends, everyone you've ever known is there in heaven, but Jesus is not there. Would it still be heaven? It's a really eye-opening question. Because in this story, these brothers, they weren't really about being with the Father. They were about getting the Father's stuff. They were about getting the Father's approval. They both wanted the Father's stuff. They both, here's the thing, they both, zoom in for a second, they both found their way to the Father's stuff through good behavior and bad behavior. Bad behavior says, give it to me now. Uh, He got, I mean, in an instant, in an afternoon, The prodigal son got what the father had through his bad behavior. He got his stuff. But the the, the older brother, he got the father's stuff by being good, by being faithful, by being consistent, by not squandering it, by not leaving. Like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. But this is good, right? Like, you're you're not belittling faithfulness. You're not belittling doing the right thing. Are you, Pastor Corey? You're like, you're not. You're not like minimizing that. I'm not. I'm not at all. In fact, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So the commandments, 
And following Jesus and everything that this word says is valid and important and paramount. But we skip over the, if you love me, part. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. See, there's something missing here. You see, the Father is so good. And he's so consistent, he's so secure that he received the younger brother and the older brother in love and grace. But neither one of those was reciprocated to the father. Think about it. Both the prodigal son and his older brother. Both brothers were lost. Both brothers were lost. Jesus uses this as a conduit to show that the only way home is through the father. Are you here? Are you, are you with me this morning? Does this make sense? Does this resonate? I'm not belittling doing the right thing. I'm not belittling doing good. I'm not belittling religion. But religion and goodness and the right thing and do good, all of that is empty. And it will find, it'll make us find ourselves just as lost as any immoral act. Do you hear me? So Jesus is setting up this crazy story. It's like, again, you're watching the movie. You're watching, you're hearing the story. You're like, whoa, the whole world is crumbling. How is this going to end? I mean, it's like one of the greatest, like, like all these superhero movies. It's all about like these, the world ending and the world crumbling. And you're like, you're like, man, there's only like half an hour left. How are they going to bring this back together? How is this going to work? There's no sequel either. And then Jesus ends the story. What in the world? And everybody in their seat, the scribes, the religious, the, the sinners, everybody's in their seat. And they're like, oh, he's, he's talking to me. Shoot, he's talking to me. No, he's not. He's talking to me. Oh my, I'm the sinner. Well, I'm the priest, dude. And he's talking to me. He's talking to me. Like he's talking to everyone. He's every, every person in here this morning. Listen, he's talking to you. You're religious. You don't miss church. You give. You may even give 10% of your income. You show up at every I Am Loved event. You volunteer in Conduit Kids. You know this story back and f- backwards and forwards. You know the word. You could be just as lost as the prodigals. Because in the end, that envy that anger of the older brother on the side of the hill that night, there was something there that, this is huge. All of a sudden, he realizes that it's not about bad behavior or good behavior. Like the point of this story is really about the goodness and the relationship with the father. And who's the one telling the story? He's the very one that can bring them to the Father. Woo! This story is amazing. So here's the other cool part that I didn't know until the last few years. If you zoom in on the culture of first century Jewish culture, the scribes and the Pharisees and the sinners, they knew exactly how that story ended. To us, we're like, wait, they didn't tell, hold on, why are the credits rolling? And now why we're, no, we're going on to chapter 16. We're like, wait a minute, as Americans, we don't, we don't get it. But they got it. And they fully understood that there's no way in first century Jewish culture, there's no way that a younger brother is going to leave all that and then just go squander what he's got. And no one is going to go look for him? There's no way. Like it's, an abs- it's just as absurd as the story I told you at the beginning with the crazy lady at the grocery store. You're thinking all along, you're like, this preacher crazy. This is not legit. They would have thought the same thing. So what is the point? Jesus is telling this story because he's emphasizing, he's leaving the cliffhanger, and he's dropping the mic and he's walking off the stage because he knows and they know. And he knows that they know that he was the better older brother. Jesus 
is the older brother. And they know that he would have left his comfort, his home, his inheritance, and everything that he had, and all his identity, and he would have left to go get the prodigal. They would have known in that moment that that's what Jesus was talking about. So the story isn't this big cliffhanger of, wow, that's a bad story, Jesus. They were captivated. They were drawn in by the greatest story that's ever been told because they recognized that Jesus is the older brother. He's the better older brother because he left his father. And he left all that he had and totally had rights to the Father. He had everything he ever needed and wanted with the Father. Because for Jesus, it was never about the stuff. It was never about the, the Heavenly Father's stuff. It was about the Heavenly Father's heart. And God's heart, Father God's heart, so loved this world. So loved this distant country full of prodigals that stiff-armed God the Father. From the beginning of Adam and Eve. And Jesus knew that this was not about going and getting back his father's stuff. This was going back to get those guys back to the father's heart. And so he left his home. And they knew it. And they knew that when he left, when Jesus left his home, heaven, and he came to earth humbly, he had to come in as low as low could be. Not come swinging in like I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm my father's son and I own it all. He didn't. He came humbly and he lived perfect. Because his desire was to bring the prodigal son back to the feast. Back to the party. But ultimately back to the father's heart. This story is so good because they knew, the, they knew the father was good and they knew that the older brother in the story, he dropped the ball, but Jesus did not drop the ball. Jesus did not drop the ball. He was the one that came back to save us all. And he is the access point to get to the father. That the only way to truly be home is through the father and how the, the Father sent his Son. Jesus knew the heart of the Father was that he loved this world. And then he gave his only Son. That whoever believes in the Son will not perish, but have eternal life. Conduit, are you with me this morning? Are you getting the picture of what redemption is really about? Jesus came to this earth for you. This is why the cross is so symbolic. And this is why an empty cross is so symbolic. Is that he came, he died, he rose, he conquered death. Why did he conquer death? Because his life was out of this world. It was supernatural. It wasn't just this cool like, yo bro, thanks for dying for me, man. I appreciate that. Like, So with you, man. So with you, man. This wasn't that, that's not what this was about. This was not about coming to make people go from bad to good. This was about bringing people from death to life. That he that has the son has life. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't come to make you good. Older brothers in the room. Religious people. And I'm one of those people. I'll call myself right out. I, I've, I've studied this book my whole life. And I've got one job to teach this book. I went to school for it. I went to college for it. I have a master's degree in it. I've been doing this for 15 years. I know this book backwards and forwards, but that doesn't put a gold star on my shirt. That calls me out as an older brother because it's really easy for me to look around and be like, God, how can you bless them? How can you be throwing a party for them when I've served you every day? Shame on me for looking at the stuff of the Father rather than the heart of the Father. Amen? 
Both brothers were lost, and Jesus uses that as a conduit to show us that the only way home is through the Father. Both brothers were alienated from the Father. Both found their way to find to get the Father's stuff. Both found their way to get the Father's stuff through being good and through being bad. Listen, both wanted the Father's stuff, but not the Father. My question this morning, and I think Jesus' true question at the end of this, is, do you want God? Because he didn't come to just give you stuff, even if that stuff is just forgiveness and grace in heaven. He wants you. He wants relationship. Relationship is better than religion. Religion just shows us a path and shows us ultimately that we fall short. Relationship sets us free. Relationship brings us into the party. Relationship gets us to a place where we get to eat, not just to eat, not just to have full bellies, but to be in communion with the Father. To experience, in this case, the, the, Jesus' body that was given for us broken for us and as we dip it in the juice um, where we get to experience the the representation of the blood of Jesus the life of Jesus and the communion with the father sometimes communion is somber because we recognize that we fall so short even in our action even in our repentance like Jesus you are so good thank you for dying for all of my sins past present and amen future but also communion brings us to a point sometimes of celebration Celebration because we're forgiven. Celebration because we want the Father and not just the Father's stuff. Celebration as it was for this moment in the tent, out in the yard, fattened calf. You could smell, you could smell the smoked brisket. It was amazing. The whole village was there. Everyone was celebrating. The prodigal son was there. I wonder, I wonder today if there are some prodigal sons in this room. And you need to know, and you missed a good one last week, you need to know that the Father receives you. The Father accepts you. And the Father loves you based on your faith in Jesus Christ and receiving who he is and all these are about. He didn't want to bring you just from bad to good. He brings you from death to life because he is good. He doesn't need a bunch of good people. He needs a bunch of new people. He needs a bunch of alive people. He need a bunch of people at Conduit to go in your workplaces and, and go in your home or your home, your church, or your city, and just to be good people. We're doing great things, Conduit, and I, we, like, we're really excited about that, and we will continue to do good things. But the basis of all of our good things is not because we're just good people or good, like, Jamestownians. It's because of the heart of the Father. It's because of the heart of the Father loved us and let that flow through me to everyone around me. What, they don't get it yet? Maybe they're prodigals or maybe they're not prodigals. Maybe they're just religious and they're just as far from God as the prodigal is. But here's the thing. I'm going to pursue, personally, I'm going to pursue. Here's your takeaway. I'm going to pursue. You're going to pursue the Father's heart and what he's about. The things that break his heart are going to break my heart. The things that he pursues and fills his heart and grows and makes his heart pump, those are the things that are going to make my heart pump. Those are the things that I'm going to run after. And I'm going to throw everything else aside. I'm going to throw everything else aside. Hebrews chapter 12 talks a lot about this. First part of chapter 12. It says, let us lay aside every weight. You got some weight this morning? And the sin that so easily besets us. Besets is kind of the, the King James word for that. Besets. Uh, gives this idea of a, uh, imagine, uh, oh, it's football season, amen, right? Oh, I love football. And um, when you see a, um, um, one of the, uh, <laughs> go my favorite sports team, go. Uh, when, you, when you see one of the players running down the sideline, right on the edge with that football, and then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, some, someone comes out and just barrels this guy out of bounds, and then, like, everybody on the sidelines like, ah! And they all come rolling and like they get the first down and it's all great. But this this idea of besetting sin, it literally does that. It knocks you out of the game. It doesn't throw you back in the pig slop. It just gets you out of fellowship with the Father. If you're a follower of Jesus, get back up. Line back up. 
Get where you need to go because the ball is coming back at you again. Jesus isn't mad or impressed with your good behavior or bad behavior. Because good or bad behavior was both taken to the cross. Why does Jesus tell all this? Why is it not about good behavior and bad behavior? Because it's ultimately about the love of the Father being redeemed. He did what none of us could do. Listen, this is the gospel, guys. And this is why Jesus is everything to conduit. This is why Jesus is everything. It's because he is the very thing that gets us to the Father. Nothing else will. You could be a conduit for the next, amen? You could be a conduit for the next 30 years, and you could never miss a Sunday. You could give more than anybody. You can serve more than anybody. It won't matter. It won't matter. It may help the organization. It may help the city. It may encourage some people. But you're not going to get any closer to the Father than anybody else. It's about Jesus. Jesus is everything. And the gospel, the gospel of Jesus changes everything. So my invitation to you this morning, younger brother, older brother, just stop for a second on the good behavior and the bad behavior. Pause. Where are you at in regards to the heart of the Father? Do not forget whether you're a prodigal he came running after you. And he gave you a robe that represented his righteousness, not your own. He gave you a ring and shoes and he killed the fatted calf. But here's the other thing. Older brothers, religious, those of you that know this word, have been going to church your whole life, who are all in, recognize too that he came out after you, brother. Because he recognized that even though you were home, <laughs> even though you were home, you were still lost. Jesus tells the story of three lost things in this chapter. Sheep, coin, son. Sheep. Parable of lost sheep is that <laughs> one of the sheep got lost. Which isn't just like some random animal, right? It's like a big deal back then. So they sent a search party to go find it. And when they found it, they celebrated and they threw a party. The second story is a lost coin. Coin was more than just a coin. It wasn't just a penny or a quarter, or even you Canadians. It wasn't even just a toonie. That's a $2 coin, by the way. They have those. It's awesome. It's like the land of magic. Anyways. It wasn't just about the coin. But it was what the coin represented for her family. So she turned on all the lights to find that coin. And when she found it, after the search party, there was a party. But this third story, the lost son. When the lost son was lost, there was no search party. Hello. Search party, party. Search party, party. Party. No search. There was no search. They plugged it, they plugged it in. Jesus is the, Maddie's the bigger brother. I got it. Yes. Yeah, you guys get it? No, I don't get it. Wait a minute. He's still going. You know, like this idea that Jesus was the older brother. There, the search party, well, it was the part that was left out. But here's, here's the reality. That coin, back to the coin. That coin didn't get lost in some landfill somewhere. It didn't get lost even out in a neighbor's yard or down the street. It got lost in the house. So he's talking about sheep that are lost like somewhere out there in a distant place. But he's also talking about things that are lost like right under our nose, right in our house. Enter the lost son, enter the lost older brother. There's two types of lost brothers. Lost brothers, there's two types. You can run from God through religion and you can run from God through sin. What is my point? My point, my desire this morning is that when you celebrate this morning in communion, may you recognize that just by even doing communion, it's a simple act about the Father's stuff. You're not doing it because it's the Father's, this is what he does, he told us to do it. Jesus told us to do it. You didn't come to church because it's about the Father's house. Ha! <laughs> come on! 
then it's not about the Father's house. You're not, you're not doing any of this because it's about the Father's stuff. You're doing this because it's about the Father's heart. And whether you're a prodigal, whether you're one brother, or whether you're the other brother, you need to know that he's coming out, out after you to receive you, to welcome you. If you only knew, if you only knew how good and how amazing and strong and mighty and powerful your Father God is. If you only knew. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Um, we are going to uh, do communion this morning in a little bit different way. If you could just listen close for just a moment. Um, you're going to see uh, bread and juice up here. Um, also want to point out uh, there is gluten-free bread uh, all the way. Uh, the skinnier loaf all the way on that side, gluten-free all the way over there. Um, I want to encourage you, we're not going to do it. Usually we, we form a couple lines and Pastor Cameron and myself will hold it and we'll walk you through it. This morning we're doing it completely different. When we stand to sing, we're standing to celebrate. We're standing to recognize that this communion, this feast, is what God the Father is ultimately inviting us to. It's what he sent his son for. For the older brother, for the younger brother. For the good, for the bad. All rallying around faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ as being saved, as followers of Christ, being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His body broken. And so we're going to encourage you to literally just at your own pace. You don't even have to form any lines. There's several places. No lines. Just come up when you feel ready. You can come up as a family. You can come up by yourself. Um, you can even help others around you once you get up here. If you want to serve them communion, if you want to hold the bread as they tear it, tear off a piece and they dip it in the juice. Whether you want to do that by yourself or whether you want to do that together, we're going to sing several songs. And you can just come up when you feel ready. I want to tell just one quick, quick story and I want to close on this. If you knew how much your father loved you, you knew that you would know that that flows out of not just because he loves you and you're individually great because you're good or bad. It's actually the love of the father in the story isn't about the boys. I mean, there could be eight of them and do eight different things, and he'd still love them, he'd still receive them. At the heart of every person, I find that there, a lot of times, there are daddy issues. There are father issues. And at the root of a lot of father issues for people, it's rooted in acceptance and being good enough. It's rooted in, daddy issues rooted in acceptance and being good enough. Like there may be some other parts to that. But those are the things where it's rooted. And I want to just point out that in this story, in this story, <laughs> the daddy issues faded when the father was good. The daddy issues faded when the boys recognized that it wasn't about gaining approval or gaining acceptance, through good or bad. Check this out. No matter what they did, the Father received them. No matter what they did, the Father accepted them. No matter what they did, the Father was good enough. They were good enough for the Father because of his goodness. Hear me on that. So our celebration to God the Father is not a result of our earthly fathers or whether they've done great or whether they've done good or whether they've done bad or somewhere in between. It's rooted in the goodness of the Father that has nothing to do with our behavior. Enter Jesus. He pleased the Father. He was the Son by which he was well pleased, who died for the sins of us. He atoned by his blood and by his body being broken. He appeased the holiness of God, where the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man collided. Jesus brought it all together in communion. And that's why we have every reason to celebrate. There's a pastor named Ray Johnson who tells a story about a woman named Diane. 
In fact, her full name, she loves her first name, but her full name is Diane Disney. Diane Disney, when she grew up, she tells the story about how um, she actually lived a pretty normal, pretty ordinary life. Um, as you could imagine, that being a crazy thought, being the daughter of Walter Disney, um, the Disney Empire, um, AKA uh, she's Donald Duck's brother um, and Mickey Mouse's brother. Um, you can imagine how it would be hard for her to have a normal upbringing. But nonetheless, she had a normal upbringing. She tells a story how one day in elementary school, um, she uh, stood up, and every child was supposed to stand up and tell the class their name. She stood up, and she says, um, my name is Diane Disney. And the whole class just started laughing and pointing and cheering and you know why. And she started crying because she didn't understand what was happening. And to the point where the, the teacher finally came over and, 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 and like she had no idea. She had no idea. And she got down, the teacher got down and, and talked to her like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? What's wrong? And she says, they're laughing at me. They're laughing at me. And the teacher's like, no, they're not laughing at you. They're happy for you. Do you know who your daddy is? Your daddy is Walt Disney. And so she goes on to tell the story how for the next several months, she'd walk around the house and see her dad in a totally different light. She was, her mind was blown at who her dad was. Conduit. Let your minds be blown by who your heavenly father is. He's good. He is powerful. He is amazing. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is everything you could ever want or need, but not because of the stuff he gives, but because of who he is. And he knows you, and he made you, and he's inviting you this morning to the table. He's inviting you into the feast. It's for you, but he's inviting you in because he wants to be with you. So would you stand? Father, I thank you for this moment where we just get to celebrate your goodness and your power and your mercy. And if there's people this morning that, that don't, they don't know where to start, may they just get to the party and understand that you're good. And may they get to the party and understand that, Jesus, you died for them, that you've saved them, and that by your, their faith in you that they can be redeemed and they can always be accepted. They can always be good enough in the Father's eyes because of you, Jesus. Thank you for that. We rejoice in that and we celebrate in that. In your name, amen.